Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination, from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us on this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll With Adventure. This session's campaign is of salt and blood. My name is Cass, and I am the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins on the 11th of Altor, in the year 1069 PR, as our heroes continue to recover from the recent events within Caligos Manor. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. So, what intelligent delight or mind-numbing tale have you to share with us tonight? I'll go first. So this just happened recently, and it changed what I was going to tell to this. Uh, so tonight, I had a killer headache. So I went with my stepmom shopping, and I was going to pick up some, like, pick up some pain medicine. So I picked up a bottle of beer, brought it home, and get home and open it, and the little seal had been popped. Like someone had punched a thumb in there, and the cotton, the, the cotton that's normally in there wasn't there. So needless to say, it was a little irritating because I had a killer headache. Thankfully, they had some ibuprofen they let me use, so that's what I took before I before this started. So I'm going to take a minus two in my faith of humanity dropping because why? A couple of times this week, I've been like, oh, I'm going to use that for my fun fact. And then I have no idea what they were. So I thought, what's the thing that I want to know that I don't know about? And I thought, you know what? I don't, I really like lavender essential oil. It has a nice smell. It's a calming effect. And I don't know how it's made. In my brain, it's like a cartoon and you just kind of like, I don't know, squeeze it with a steamroller and oil comes out of it and you put it into a vial and it becomes lavender essential oil. But that is not how it happens to nobody's surprise, I'm sure. If you want to make homemade lavender oil, apparently you can put it in, like, put the blossoms of lavender into some kind of carrier oil and let it sit for a period of time while the oil infuses. But, like, the more, I don't know, I guess commercial way to do it is to steam it in a still and somehow separate the oil from the actual blossom. So it doesn't involve a steamroller, but it does involve extracting the oil directly from the plant, which is kind of what I was thinking. So that's interesting. The other thing that I learned is, I've like, you know, lavender oil is so great. People use it all the time. And did you know that it was poisonous? I would not know to keep this away from children, but apparently it is poisonous. It can cause burning pain in your throat and confusion, decreased consciousness, diarrhea, blurred vision, difficulty breathing. Like nobody should ingest lavender oil. That's my public service announcement for the week. And as this has led me down the road to a important safety tip, I'm going to take a plus two. That's terrifying. Who needs to go buy fancy poisons when you just get lavender? Right? I mean, I don't know if it'll actually kill you. I think you'd probably have to ingest a lot of it. The 
The side effects sound really unpleasant, but I don't know if they're deadly. Oh, in Australia, lavender oil is one of the many essential oils that have been increasingly causing cases of poisoning, but mostly in children. There you go. Keep it away from your kids. I learned that octopus have enough neurons in each of their tentacles that if they lose a tentacle, that tentacle like keeps its sentience, if that makes sense. Like it has its own brain um, before it dies. And that was freaky. So it's useless and freaky. I will take a plus one. I learned that reindeer purposely eat mushrooms that are toxic to people because they get them high and that people think this might be where the idea of flying reindeer come from because you know flying is like equated to being high that's the whole fact i don't know anything else oh but also this the the mushrooms talk to toxic to people but sometimes people will drink the reindeer pee because then it they can get high but not die so that's kind of gross. I think I'm going to take a zero because, you know, yeah, not very helpful, but interesting. So since I have moved to the country and have gone on to live near a bunch of pig and soybean farms and all kinds of farms, I figured I would give some fun facts about hogs and hog farms. Most times, hog farms, their diet consists of corn and soybeans, and they eat a lot of it. The average pig will grow each day between one pound to two pounds a day, and the average amount of food or feed they will eat a day is between five to seven pounds. And that's a lot. So that's my fun fact, and I think I'm going to take a plus one. Let's see what you roll. I got a three. I got a three. I got a four. We're great. At least we're not in the murder house anymore. Thank the Lord. I got a 12. I got a 15. Hello, everyone. My name's Corey, and I play Kalina Floros, who is a human fighter that was an ex-soldier in the Tauran army. Hi, my name's Emmy. I'm playing Sylvie Antaeus. She is a half-elf monk, and she likes to stop and smell the roses. Hi, my name's Allie, and I'm playing Maya Volta who did not die, and is a human cleric of Cain. I'm Disco, and I play Alice, the radiant Genasi druid of the Half Moon Circle, who is a walking, talking magic mirror. Hello, everyone. My name is Carlos, and I play Marcus Vander, an ex-scout in the Tolerant Army, who now has an uncontrollable fear of blankets. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. You each dream. You dream of fractured things. A jumble of memory. Of sound. Of sight. Of smell. Of touch. And of taste. Each associated with your most recent ordeals. The horrors of Caligos Manor. But within your myriad twisting dreams, a sound begins. Thump, thump, thump. Maya, you are the first to awaken. Sylvie and Kalina sleep softly nearby, 
Their chests rise and fall with the rhythm of their breath. You blink your eyes. Thump, thump, thump. Someone is knocking on the front door. I probably just fell into bed fully clothed, so I will just go answer it. As you move to cross the room, as you move to cross through the curtain that divides so that you can enter into the living room, Marcus, you awaken to the next round of knocking, jarring you from a dream. A dream in which you saw your wife, your daughter, and your mother, all bound in chains constructed from delicate crystals. As you blink your eyes open, Alice lays still as glass in his bed, his chest like usual, barely rising with his quiet breath. Thump, thump, thump. Someone is knocking on the front door. Maya is totally shambling sleepily, just kind of like running her fingers through her hair and trying to make sense of what's going on. I assume we didn't quite get as much sleep as we would have wanted. Probably not. Marcus, are you going to get out of bed or are you just going to lay there as the door continues to be pounded upon? Marcus would get up, kind of wipe the sleep from his eyes, and he's just going to say, Alice! Psst! Alice! Wake up! Mm. Uh, what? Mm? There's someone at the door. Thump. 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 Oh, right. Uh, Alice will throw himself out of bed and wrap himself in his cloak and make his way, obviously, with Marcus. Oh, room? As the two of you are just exiting the room, Maya, you've come to before the door. Are you going to open it or listen? I'm going to roll flat T20 to see how awake I think that Maya is after everything that's happened. Well, it's not bad. I'm going to pause to listen just for a moment. Amidst the thumping, there's a murmur of multiple voices coming from beyond the door. You catch a snatch of conversation between voices you recognize. The first you recognize is Sylvie's friend, Lena. Are you sure you really saw them come home? Before the familiar voice of Nicostratus replies, one of Zosme's customers mentioned it to her, and she told me, Maybe they've been replaced with moon people! This could be the beginning of the moon's invasion! Oh, lord. I sn- I snatch the door right open. The harsh light of day floods through the door, and the shadow of five figures stretches into your abode. See, I told you the moon people couldn't have killed them! Five familiar individuals stand at your door. Old Man Longstaff, Nicostratus, Lena, Vanessa Hallingsford, of course with Buttercup in hand, and a local woodcutter, Ulrich Hode. Maya's gonna kind of squint in the light and... What? What time is it? Nicostratus is going to look down, and then look you up, and then down, and then up, and then he's going to just waltz right in, he's gonna grab you by the arm and slowly move you over to sit you down. At the same time, Vanessa's gonna come in. She looks like she's been crying, tears streaking down her face. 
Alice and Marcus, as you watch from the door, you see Ulrich Hode. He comes in. You see him put some wood into the fire, and he begins starting one up. Looks like he maybe brought you guys some firewood. And he leans a stick up against the fireplace. Well, old man Longstep goes over and starts rifling through your cupboards and pulls down a few cups. And you see that he has a bottle with him. And... Lena, immediately as the fire starts to get going, puts on a pot for some tea. Looks like she has some herbs as well. She goes, please tell me that everyone's okay. Please. Oh, uh, yeah, they're, uh, we were, we were just sleeping. And when, what, what time is it? Kalina, Sylvie, everyone's worried you're dead. As you... As Alice, as you call that out, some of the people are going to notice you for the first time. You see Old Man Longstep looks at you and at Marcus and holds up a small little glass that he's already filled to the brim with whatever alcohol he's peddling. See? I told you all. If anyone was going to survive, it was going to be them! Yes, yes, Delfling, of course, of course. But we had to be sure that they did survive. Nicostratus looks to you, Maya. Miss, you have been gone far too long without any kind of commentary to your employer. And yes, you can have the rest of the day. Maya looks horrified. Ah. <sighs> Oh, I forgot. I, I'm, I compl- I completely forgot about the story. I'm so sorry. I, um, how, how many days? How long? How long are we gone? Almost a week. It's, it's really not her fault, though. Um, we were, um, preoccupied with, we were stuck, um, uh, there was um, a thing we had to do at the other end of the island. Very important. Um, Did you kill it? Did you? Kill kill who? What now? Yes. Did you use the petrified wood? I told Alice. I told Maya. Use petrified wood. We, we didn't. We didn't kill anything. There was nothing to kill. We were actually... We were saving... Um, you had a chance to strike a blow with the moon people. You didn't. We were saving sharks, old man Longstep. We were we were saving sharks. They were caught in um, coral. Coral is the enemy of sharks. If you didn't know that, but now you do. Um. So anyway, back to the point. We are terribly sorry. We. It was not not her fault. It was just. What's in the bottle? You see his eye. His left eye is just twitching as you're telling this story. A story that, based off what he saw running, he knows is not true. But then you mention the bottle. And he... immediately walks over and pours you a small swig and hands it out to you. And it is a very potent moonshine. Sylvie, 
and Kalina. You wake up to the sniffled crying of Vanessa as she stands just inside your room. Buttercup is trying to climb up onto Kalina's bed. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're alive. Oh, Vanessa, Vanessa. Sylvie's going to literally like roll out of bed, drape a blanket over her shoulders and like run up and hug her. As you hug her, you can see into the other room and you can see your friend Lena is making some tea. You can see old man Longstep and you can see Maya looks like she's getting scolded by her employer. And Ulrich Hode, another one of the locals, is sort of just standing off to the side awkwardly. Oh, oh, Vanessa, I'm we I'm so glad you're okay. Um it was it's been kind of a crazy Thing. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to tell me. I just heard Marcus. He said that you were saving sharks. And after that one tried to kill us. Well, uh, it's complicated. Um, Kalina? We are friends with all sharks that do not try to kill us. Sharks are friends and they're not dangerous. Except the ones with Humanoid form and weapons. Yeah. Ugh. Moon people sharks. Moon beasts. That's what they are. Right, of course. Sylvie's gonna, like, make sure Vanessa's alright and then, like, dart around her and go hug Lena. Lena, I'm so, I'm so happy to see you. Sylvie! And she will just hug you. Probably some of her herbs get scattered about, and she gives you a really tight hug. Your side where you were bitten, it's still a bit tender. Oh, ooh, ah, uh. are, are you okay? Oh, I'm just fine. I just fell and twi twinged my side. It's not a big deal. Do you need a poultice? I can whip you one up. Sh sure, I'm sure that that would help. I'm so glad to see all of you. What is, what's going on? <laughs> Before that question gets answered, Kalina, you have a small buttercup trying to climb up onto the bed. So it'll take, Kalina will be kind of like, ugh, was it morning already? And then when she feels, notice, feels the move, it's like, oh, hey, buttercup. And we'll just pick her up and we'll just kind of listening while Sylvia and Vanessa talked. And just like, hello, if I missed you. And then after Sylvia left, just left to go with everyone, just looks at Vanessa's like, so, how have you been doing? Buttercup hasn't. Buttercup is... And I... We, we barely slept a wink. We're just... Just so glad that you're back. And that everyone's okay. Uh, of, of, of course. And she'll kind of like awkwardly look at Marcus after <laughs> hearing Vanessa say that, uh, that we were saving sharks. And just kind of like... Go like, uh, okay... And then we'll Vanessa's like, I mean, it wasn't that dangerous? Uh, um, uh, yeah, as you can see, we're all fine. Um, what's been happening since... How long have we been gone? Six days, I think? Uh, uh, uh maybe a week? Uh, it's, it's been hard to focus. I... 
I tried to put a search party together, but the bridge was blasted out. Yeah, that was kind of unfortunate. It's kind of why we got one of the reasons we were stuck over there for so long. Six days. Well, uh, besides the bridge being knocked out, and I guess everyone noticing we're gone, uh, what else has happened in town? Besides, you know, the warden doing her thing. Vanessa will begin to tell you a few different things. Things that will get answered by some of the other questions that have been asked. So, for this next section, uh, we're going to split people up. So, Sylvia and Lena will have a small little conversation. Old Man Longstep would like to talk with Marcus. Nicostratus would like to talk with Maya. Vanessa would, of course, like to speak with Kalina. And Ulrich Hode actually would like to speak with Alice. How would you guys like to start? Maya woke up first, so... In order of how we woke up. It's a good order. If I give you any general details, names of perhaps people that are now on the list, or details about when the ship is leaving, you guys can assume that all of you pick that up over the courses of your conversations. As Nicostratus sits down next to you, Maya... He takes hold of your hands and goes, I'm just so glad that you're okay. I was very worried. Ambrose will be the first to tell you that I've been beside myself about it. So sorry. I, when we rushed off, I just, I didn't, I didn't expect to be gone that long. Uh, and then we were just sort of stuck there. I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to make you worried. It's really good to be back. Well, you look like you need the rest, so... You take the rest of the day. But... but the store, there there must be so much to do with it, and I've been gone so long, and I... H how is everything? The warden came through with guards, requisitioned a large amount of stock. Just took it. There's a few more deliveries, a couple that are coming up to the last days, including... He looks at you with a very mindful look. Maya just nods. Good, good, good. I'm glad we're back in time. What about the list? Is she added more people? Have the murders stopped? Please tell us the murders have stopped. There was some talk in town. Because the day you guys all disappeared is the day they stopped. So if they start up again, I wouldn't be that surprised if there's some kind of mob. Oh, um, I, I hope not. Make sure you guys keep your heads low. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely our goal. We just really rather not attract any attention to ourselves. There are, are new names on the list. Valen Mikkel, Petros Antonis Floros, Crassius Titanus, Nikos Aristeus, Matic Leon, Eutropios Sintic. So, she replaced everybody. There's more. Uh, Zemia Wisehill, Perea Kalish, Halfan Petrikos, uh, Phanus. And me. You? Yeah. Well, uh, that's, uh, that's good. That's good. 
then you and Ambrose will be together. And Maya's kind of like trying to talk a little bit louder in case anybody around them is listening. <sighs> if I'm, I'm going to miss you. Uh, wow. That's, that's a lot. It's not going to be anybody left on this island by the time she's done. Although I'm sure Talren is more than happy to send her more people. Any other news? Is is everything okay at the orphanage? Yep. I spoke with Anastas. You'll likely have some helping hands from the orphanage. Oh, good. The apprenticeship program. She likes it. Yes. Oh, good. Well, uh, with, with you... With you going and, and Ambrose, I'm definitely going to need the help. It's going to be... It's going to be weird. Yes. Yes, it will. Very weird. You said she re requisitioned a lot of things. Is, is there enough left for the colony? Well, if she continues at this pace... I hope. The ship leaves in five days. I should get back to the store with you. We should go over the supplies and start setting out the next requisitions for the the next time a ship comes so that we can we can make sure that the store is, is well stocked after the ship leaves. There'll be time enough for that tomorrow. Let's move the conversation elsewhere. Marcus, old man Longstep offers you a small draught of a very pungent and potent liquor. No, thank you. More for me, I guess. Indeed. So, uh, how about the weather? It's been balmy. <laughs> it's been what now? Rather warm. Oh. <laughs> you see, he winks at you because he really didn't buy your story from earlier. Both of the moons have been very visible. Uh, has it? I've those blood moons, the two of them, they were rather interesting. Could I speak to him in Gnomish for a second? Why, yes, you could. So I will speak to him in Gnomish real quick and say, Listen, Longstep, what's like your deal? What's like your... Why are you the way you are? Like, I... I need some context, because you, you raving about the moon people, but like, just what do you mean by moon people? Is this all just for show? Are you playing everyone for a fool? Are you, are you sincere? I just, I don't know. The moon people are the people of the moon! I figured as much. Okay, well. They're always watching us. Always up to no good. They taint the crops. They do? They make the water taste funny. They, you know, I hate funny tasting water. That's, uh, that's a true. Okay, well, what's up in your world? Old man Longstep will lean forward closer towards you as he balances perched half on a chair, his face mere inches from yours. Did you kill it? I don't know if we killed it. We definitely stopped it. I'm not sure if the quote-unquote moon people, if we're talking about the same thing, um, can be killed. The people from the moon. 
They come down. They cause problems here. They come down from the moon. How'd you know about that petrified wood? Everyone knows. You use petrified wood on moon people that are based from the sea. You use other objects for those from the sky and the land. So wait, you use things from the sea to kill the moon people? No, no, no. I know, I'm I'm not picking up what you're throwing down here. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, you know, you got you a lot of experience with these moonlings. No, moonlings aren't that bad. It's the moon people. Moonlings are a thing? There's a dare different? Of course there is. How so? As you ask that question, he just, he stops. He stares at you for a moment, and then his gaze slowly shifts, and he starts to sniff the air like a dog. His eyes go wild, looking this way and that, until they're looking in two different directions. One that is pointing up into the rafters. And then he makes a sound in his throat that's a cross between sort of a growl and a purr. Before he says something, something in a language that you don't understand. And then he spins on his heels and runs out of the house, screaming, Beware the moon! Alrighty then. That's about as good as I... Well, I didn't really know what to expect, but I guess that was... uh... That was it. I think the next one to awaken was Alice. Yes. Ulrich Hode sort of stands a bit awkwardly to the side as people begin to pair off, and he then he's holding a stick. It's a it's a uh, probably a, a long branch. It's about Alice's height, and. You see, he sort of looks a a bit awkward as he looks around. Ulrich's a bit of a tall guy, and he comes over and sort of stands looming over you and goes, Very glad that you're okay. While I was out in the woods, I saw this stick and it reminded me of you. The stick. And he shoves it out towards you. This The stick reminded you of me? I'll take the stick. You see, as you look at the stick, the bark on it is sort of like this mottled gray. But where the bark has peeled away in places, the wood underneath it is blue. Well, this is, uh, it is reminiscent of my hue. Thank you. Did you light that fire, or... And a flame will appear in Alice's hand. And he'll motion over to the fireplace. Yep, since you guys have been gone, I... I I thought you could maybe use some firewood. So, uh, I, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I... I I brought some over, and when I heard that some people were coming over to check. And, uh, yeah. So polite of you. To break and enter our house for a good purpose. Thank you. Well, I... Maya opened, opened the door. I, I I, didn't break and enter. I, I, I came 
in when the, the door was opened and, um... Oh, oh, right, right. Oh, um, uh, sh- should I leave? Well, were you just delivering wood or did you have something else to tell me? Well, I, I just, I, I wanted to make sure that everyone was okay and... Oh, we are more than okay. It was a moonlit night where the tide was high. And there stood Kalina over all of these endangered native sharks that we saved. Her sword glinting in the moonlight to draw their attention away from sharp rocks that could have hurt them. And it was just beautiful. Someone should paint it or carve it out of wood and put it put the imagery in the town square you see he like he sort of is stroking his his chin almost as if he's trying to imagine how to carve this did you say sword no i i coughed i just said she was holding like the emotion ah of course i a metaphorical sword. What? When I coughed, it sounded like, it sounded like sword, like taking up the charge. Did you have a branch hit you in the head, or something, when you were out chopping? Well, that branch did fall from the sky. What do you mean? What this this wood? Y- yeah. Yes. I was out logging. A few of the new, most recently released individuals from the prison. They, we, we were building up a bit of a stockpile to help them build a few, build some houses for them, at least for transition. And I was logging near the back of one of the logging camps, a bit more closer to some of the areas that are usually don't like to go into. And as I was walking back across the logging camp, full clear, no trees around, that branch fell out of the sky and almost hit me. Well. I've never seen wood like it anywhere else. Thank you for bringing it to me. I will investigate it, and if it turns out to be nothing, I might make it into something decorative, but I will let you know. Well, if you do, if you find you like it, I, I have made a few walking sticks in my day, so I I could I could iron shot it, I could get it iron shot for you, and I could get it cleaned up if you need so let me know thank you i will and he'll smile and let's move to the next conversation to sylvie because kalina woke up last sylvie as as lena gets you caught up on the other thing some of the other things that have been said during these previous conversations mostly concerning the new individuals coming on the ship Though she makes comment about Nikos Aristeus is coming and that you really should avoid getting into close quarters with him. He still doesn't like you from back when you were working in the mines. And that she is rather worried that Matic Leon is coming. Your nemesis. But as she mentions that, you lay down back on your bed and she pulls up your side and starts to get a poultice together to pack it down on you. And she is looking at this and she's like, that's 
that does not look like us from a fall. Sylvie. What happened? Oh, well, you heard, Marcus. We were out uh, saving sharks, and, and there was coral, and I fell right on all the coral, and it scratched my whole side up. Of course, I forgot to mention the coral part, because it's been such a crazy couple of days, I just... I forgot that that's... Oh. Oh, of, of course. It's, we should really get this checked out. Coral can be quite dangerous. I, I saw a cut that was from someone who got cut on their foot from coral and got seriously infected. So, and she'll start poking around closer along it. And she's like, this is very strange in the way it's healing. It's... This doesn't look good, but... Uh, you're gonna have a lot of scarring. I, I hope that saving those sharks was worth it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure. How... How have you been? How is everything? How... How's Petra? I've been good. She's been having fits. <sighs> this past week, she's been having fits every couple of hours, multiple times a day. She started screaming about seeing things. Uh, things that clearly weren't there. Uh, someone playing some kind of musical instrument and their fingers bleeding. A, a, a tree with faces. Uh, something about rats, butterflies... Was it moths? Uh, and just some, being very afraid. And it, and it wasn't just her. Quite a few of the older folks that have been here for decades all were having the same nightmares. That sounds terrible. I hope their nightmares end soon. Well, she slept straight through the night last night. It was a really good improvement. But uh, uh, otherwise, I, I've been good. I've just been prepping for when we leave. And yeah. I can't believe we're leaving. It felt like when I first got here, like my life was over. But now we're leaving. And I don't know if I'm ready. At least being sent here, we always knew that if we served our time, we could live a better life. But there, it's just so many questions. Are we just being sent to die? How will we be able to? I know I'm going to do my darn best, but I'm so glad that you're going to be with me and that you came back. I don't know what I would have done if if you hadn't made it back, I don't know what the warden would have done to you. If you had made not, if it, if you had escaped being found before the boat went. Oh gosh, I don't even want to think. I don't even want to think about the warden. And she will spend the next few minutes doing up a poultice and wrapping it around you, and it's cooling and calming. And with that, let's fade over to Kalina, Buttercup laughs and giggles. She pulls on your hair a bit. And Vanessa just talks to you. 
she catches you up that new names have been added to the list as she mentions a few specifically Valen Mickle you probably recognize the name considering that he spread rumors about you in the past and he was or is an ex-member of Talren's military like you were <sighs> Great. I was hoping to actually be away from him. So she replaced everyone, huh? Yep. Everyone that died. A name for a name. She ever mention who was killing these people? Like, what does she do about all the murders? Well, the official report which said nothing about that thing, was that the person was never named, but that someone had been taken into custody, was suspected of the murders, and was being held in the furnace. They made a bit of a show. They took uh, all day in. I don't think you actually knew him. Uh, he was a bit of a troublemaker down in the hatchery. They made a bit of a show taking him, so most people think that he was the murderer, but he only got back five days ago from being out on ship, being out uh, fishing. So, dates don't line up, but no one's really questioning it. Figures. And Kalina will try to pull uh, Vanessa close in, like to where she can whisper to her, and just go, the monster won't bother you. She'll flash you a smile. Your little secret. Buttercup will giggle. Do you have any questions for Vanessa? No, just make sure that she's alright. It's kind of all Kalina's really making sure of. Then you'll continue. Probably playing a bit with Buttercup. Making some small talk. Until the sound of a mailed fist strikes the side of the door frame at the front of your farmstead. Guardsman Mikolos stands there. Behind him, a few of Merstwall's guards. I apologize for the interruptions, but I bear orders to bring you all in for questioning. Alice, Marcus, Maya, Kalina, and Sylvie, that is. What are the rest of you doing here? Wrap up your business quickly. We need to be on our way. Oh, but we have all the time in the world. Maya's going to frown and turn to Nicostratos and say, that's so much for the day off. I guess I'll see you tomorrow. There's this look of worry on his face. And as he lets you slip away, he will say one last thing. The warden's been in a foul mood ever since that explosion on the promontory. All the guards are on edge. Something about the light in the south, ever since it started shining. Tread carefully. Thank you. We'll be as careful as we can. Do the rest of you make your goodbyes and extricate yourselves from your friends? Yes, and I'm leaving the wood behind, of course. Aquina would give... Buttercup one last hug and hug Vanessa before getting up 
They would give me time to put my armor on, would they? <laughs> Probably not, right? Most assuredly not. Before you guys leave the house, Mikolos will, in a less friendly than usual, far more abrupt manner than he usually has, remind all of you to ensure that you leave your weapons, even small hunting knives, here. You will be searched when you are at the prison. And remember that weapons have a habit of going missing and not being returned. Is anyone going to try to keep a weapon and sneak it into the prison with them? <clears throat> Sylvie, as the, when the guards show up, Sylvie's going to mutter something about speak of the devil. And then as he says that about weapons, she's going to go, well, I have this walking stick. Can I bring that? No weapons. What's not a weapon? It just, it just helps me walk. She can't walk without it. Please, please, sir. Then lean on your friends. Sir, we have been saving sharks for the past few days. Yeah, look at my side. Have you seen it? It like, I cut it all up. It... Everyone, I think that it would really be best if we just... Just do what he asks, and we'll be home before we know it. Okay, you're right, you're right. Marcus is strong. I'm sure he can support me. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, they can at least give us a few minutes to get ready. You can afford us that much time, right? I think we should just... Be quick. Sure thing. I'm not going to try and bring anything, but I, I do want to telepathically communicate with my familiar, too. Oh, your familiar already has something to say to you. Oh, would you like me to bring that upstairs? You see its eyes glowing in the rafters as it looks towards your... the stick. Oh, yes, please. It smiles, its teeth sort of half becoming a bit visible like the Cheshire Cat's smile. Yes, do. I'll be sure to make sure that no one finds anything here. Very good. Also be prepared if I need you, too. And this is all telepathic, by the way. Oh, of course, of course. Of course. <sighs> I should get some of my beauty sleep, though. And it will sort of lean, draped a little bit down the rafter. Would they classify the figurines as weapons? They will search you and take everything from you that isn't basically just your clothes. You know that. Which probably means that if you take that figurine, it's gonna go missing. Okay, Kleena, with the ready time, she would like to try and stash the figure and the swords in better hiding spots. Maybe like the sword under our mattress? Or what the what it's called of a mattress? Or would that be too loud? Nah. Nah, she'd still try it. Give me a stealth check. With advantage, because you're in a different room. Uh, it's a 14. While there is a bit of sound as you do, no one determines it to be the sound of something that shouldn't be being handled in another room. And you're able to get ready and stash the swords under your mattress. And the figurine, too. She would put it all in one place. Okay. And the figurine. Is anyone else going to do anything? Maya's just going to wait by the door. She, I think she stashed her figurine the night before. 
kind of like try to message people with her eyes to be like, come on, hurry up. Let's not make them mad. Let's. Marcus would like to grab a small ring from his belongings. You will be ushered out of your home. Vanessa says that she'll make sure that everything's locked up and closed up, and she'll feed the animals, as she's been coming to do every day. And that she hopes that you come back soon. And as the guards form up around you and begin walking you from your farmstead, they will begin to first drizzle and rain. And as the rain falls, water striking earth, dirt becoming mud, you are marched through Wall Town, down its two main streets, first towards the main square, and then along the main square down towards a small road that will lead up towards the prison. People stop to stare, and they speak in hushed whispers as you pass. After you've passed the central square, you're passing down the road that will come near to the orphanage. A few children are playing out in the rain, splashing about, drawing in the mud. But when they see the guards, they hide. Only one, the young girl, Sybil, she remains drawing on the muddy ground. Maya and Marcus, with your passive perception, you can see that she has drawn looping whirls and swirls along a larger caricature of a sword. But all of you can hear her as she sings as you pass. She sings to herself, her voice drifting hauntingly on the breeze. A shackled one comes, he walks by me, the first of them marked to set her free. The links will be broken, we must agree. Oh, come, my shackled ones. Her chosen anointed, it's plain to see. A true predator slain by those like you and me. The first link is far beyond the sea, amidst old places of destiny. Oh, come, oh, come, my shackled ones, rise and break the chains. Oh, come, oh, come, my shackled ones, and rise to break the chains. She continues to sing but the guards direct your party down the street. She draws in the mud, never looking up at you. A blustery sea wind drives the rain into your eyes as you gaze up to the cliffs towards Vesican prison. Built atop the northern cliffs of Walltown's Bay, 
Vesican prison perches like some bloated creature gazing down upon its next meal. A small road winds up the eastern side of the incline that wraps up and around into the prison's north-facing entrance. The creature's maw. Constructed of native stone, the prison is a foreboding structure devoid of kindness or embellishment. Instead, it is a structure that focuses solely on function, and its function is to keep what is inside it already inside. You know it is designed all too well to hold on to those unfortunate prisoners condemned to that fate. As you follow the road up, the guards pull into a tighter formation around you as you come to a fork in the road. You notice a knot of tension in your chest's release as you take the left fork, the fork that heads towards the prison, for the right path would have taken you to the furnace. But your relief is soon replaced, perhaps by panic, perhaps by fear, perhaps by memories, for the gates of the prison yawn wide open before you. As you look up at the edifice of this place that held you captive, that stole three whole years of your life, what thoughts race through your minds? On a thinking level, Maya's thinking about sort of the anger of the warden and probably reliving past memories where being in the prison, being so completely under the warden's mercy, she suffered due to the warden's anger of either being thrown in the furnace or, you know, given an extra shift in the mines or whatever it was. She's probably reliving those moments when, I mean, all of her interactions with the warden were negative. So all of those various little moments where the warden in a bout of anger sentenced her to something. But on a more emotional level, she's, I mean, definitely feeling fear, but she's also feeling that, that trapped feeling, not just the, the feeling of being physically trapped as she enters the prison, but also that feeling where you know that you are becoming more helpless, that there's, you, you don't have the control over the, your fate that you would. Somebody else decides when you eat, when you sleep, if you eat, if you sleep, um, you know, whether what you did is right or wrong or whether they like you or not, or like all these different things, just or unjust, your entire existence is controlled by somebody else. And so she's feeling that terrible trapped feeling. So Kalina is just kind of remembering when she first got here, how angry she was, how grief-stricken she was, but mostly angry at her father, and then remembers how the guards treated deserters, and is remembering all that treatment, which also makes her angry. Uh, but the biggest thing that gets to, there's, there's two, then the, the two things that she really focuses on after all that is one, meeting everyone and getting to know them in the awkward situations that they all were, uh, as it was kind of haphazard. And then a strike of fear as she remembers what Luscious did to her once in this prison. And she does not want to go through that again. Sylvie's also certainly having flashbacks of 
her first moments in the prison, walking through the doors and being surrounded by strangers but feeling so alone, that really claustrophobic sense of just having no personal space has really come back to her. And she's also worried about her friends. This was not an easy experience for anybody, and there are possibly outcomes that might come from this that would be really awful for everybody, so that's sort of, those are the things flashing through her mind. Among the swirling memories of prison and the horrible things he has endured, the best way to summarize how Marcus is feeling right now is he's not sure if he'd rather be here or in the haunted house. He's not sure which one he'd rather choose. Alice would hearken back to a time when he had just emerged from his mirror into another prison. A time when he would put his back to a wall all the time because he was used to hanging, to be hanging from one. A time when he would forget to eat and drink because he was an inanimate object. A time when he wouldn't open doors for himself because he had never done that before. And how far he'd come. And he'd be grateful he had has the friends that he does to be the person that he is today. I think he would have a sense of pride coming far from how he was when he first arrived at Vesican prison. Soon the cold stone of the prison envelops you, and you are ushered into a world you hoped to never return. You are first voluntarily asked to relinquish any weapons you were foolish enough to keep on you. Did any of you bring weapons with you? Maya did not. Sylvie did not. Nope. I did not. Glena didn't. After you, each of you does not produce any weapons, you are roughly searched. Which does not find any. From that point, you are separated. Your group is split apart, each placed into cold stone cells. Thick manacles are clasped over your wrists and your legs. And all you can do is wait. We will begin with Alice. You wait, seconds stretching to minutes. Tactics you know are designed to make you uncomfortable. Around you, sound echoes through the halls. At times, the clanging of chains as prisoners are moved from location to location. At other times, it is the crack of a whip followed by the howls of agony. Or the solid thud of a door. At one point, a line of prisoners actually passes by the small window in your cell door. Your only ability to see few more feet beyond this dismal cell. As the prisoners pass, one young man catches your eye. He is quite handsome, 
but he looks vaguely familiar. The color of the hair. The cut of his chin. It's just like Kalina's. But then he was gone. Soon enough, sound returns. This time, footsteps approaching your door. The brief sound of keys jingling. The door to your cell opens as three men enter. Two guards, and a third wearing the armband that denotes a captain. Relief floods you as the door closes. It appears Luscious won't be here to interrogate you. My name is Captain Adrian. You will answer my questions. We will start shortly. As he emphasizes the word shortly, the door opens again, and an extremely pale man in black and green robes, with long black hair and piercing blue eyes, enters. It does appear that Luscious, the Mindbreaker, has joined you. The interrogator looks uneasy as he eyes Luscious. Luscious simply leans against the wall, his arms crossed as he first nods to the interrogator, and then fixes his gaze upon you. You know the way this works. He'll scan your surface thoughts as you answer questions. And if he detects lies or concern, well, that's where he might start to dig. The interrogator clears his throat. What is your name? Borealis. How old are you? I'm not too sure, but I think around 833 years old. He will raise an eyebrow to that and look to Luscious, and Luscious will nod. Where were you born? I don't know. He will again look to Luscious, and Luscious will give a small nod. But I grew up in some woods that were quite scary. For what category of crime were you first convicted? I was accused of thievery, and very good thievery at that. A good thief doesn't get caught. What were you doing on the southern promontory? We were looking for a shark when there was a terrible storm that blew in. What are you thinking as you say this? I'm thinking exactly what I'm saying, and that I am, like, trying to tell the truth 100%. In my own words. You're trying to tell basically as close to the truth as possible as you can. Yes. So that Luscious won't look to go deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I do, un- I mean, you can probably tell me if I do or not, but I believe I do understand the concept of this kind of magic. Yes, you do. The interrogator will note that down and look over at Luscious, and Luscious will give a sort of, he looks troubled. His face looks troubled. But he'll all he'll nod. What happened to the structure previously constructed on the southern promontory? Well, 
you saw the weather. It crumbled into the ocean. Luscious is definitely focusing on you, but he nods. What is the intent behind the light shining from the Southern Promontory Lighthouse? It's a sea guide. I know it from the distant past that I was a part of. He notes that down, looks at Lashus. Lashus looks at you. You can see that he is definitely focusing in on you. What is the purpose of a sea guide? I have to tell you, I only know the name of it and that I have memories of cities way back when that had them as well. He will finish jotting down his notes. Luscious will nod. And as that last question is answered, as the notes are finished, Luscious will push himself off from the wall, and as he looks at you, you hear his voice briefly echo in your mind, and it says, Tread carefully. Alice will swat at his ear, and he'll be like, I thought I heard something weird. As Luscious walks out of the room, he says, No further questions will be asked. But he looked troubled as he left. Captain Adrian and the guards leave with him, the door closing behind them with the distinctive click of a lock. It seems they won't be letting you out till they're all done. <laughs> Marcus. The door to your holding cell opens as three men enter. Two guards and a third. You recognize him as Captain Adrian. Similarly, Luscious does not appear to be here. Captain Adrian takes a seat across from you. My name is Captain Adrian. You will answer my questions. All right. As if... It were a tactic they were using. The door opens, and Luscious enters as well. Relief perhaps turns now to concern. What is your name? Marcus Evander. How old are you? 36. Where were you born? Calparna. For what category of crime were you first convicted to Merstwall? Treason. Everyone in the room except Luscious. Twitches. And there's this glint in their eyes. What were you doing on the southern promontory? Hunting for sharks. Luscious will nod. What happened to the structure previously constructed on the southern promontory? It collapsed. What is the intent behind the light shining from the Southern Promontory Lighthouse? I do not know. Luscious looks at you. You can tell that he is looking at your mind. 
but he's looking at the surface. Mind that you've mostly done your best to empty. He looks like he has a question he himself wants to ask. But he doesn't. He simply walks out of the room without saying anything. The interrogator quickly gets up saying, there will be no further questions. And leaves. Marcus will just exhale. (laughs) As any kind of composure leaves his body as he was trying to keep it uh, together in that moment. Kalina. Kalina, Kalina, Kalina. You've been sitting for quite a while now. How does it feel? Uneasy. She's been, like, tapping her foot, shifting as much as she can, and just been thinking, let's just get this over with. The door to your cell opens. First, two guards enter, followed by an interrogator who introduces himself as Captain Adrian. You can see that he wears an armband that denotes he's a captain. He takes a seat, jots a few things down. Then the door opens. As it opens, it almost seems to yawn wide like a monster's mouth and a shadow standing on the other side. A shadow that comes into focus as it steps into the room. Green and black. Luscious. Luscious will be inspecting your mind. Kalina shifts very uncomfortably and tries to get as far away from Luscious as she can. Uh, And she is nervous as hell. Luscious's gaze focuses on you. His eyes boring into you. As the interrogator begins, what is your name? Kalina Floros. How old are you? 28 years old. Where were you born? In the port of Neartide. For what category of crime were you first convicted to Merstwall? Attempted murder and desertion. At the mention of desertion, the two guards that are standing a bit back, you see where the titan their hold on their weapons. Luscious just smiles at you. Kalina will glare back at him very angrily. What were you doing on the southern promontory? The interrogator asks. There's a bit more bite to his voice as he asks this question and the following ones. Kalina will lean up into him as close as she can get to him and just go, cleaning up your mess. That doesn't answer the question, Miss Floros. What were you doing? She'll look at Luscious. He knows what I mean. Luscious doesn't respond. He's waiting for you to answer the question. She'll look back at the guard. Hunting. You're going to need to give us a bit more information than that. Or... Would you like to spend some time in the furnace? Perhaps that will loosen your tongue. 
she'll look at Luscious and back at him. Hunting a shark. Is that enough for you? The guy has narrowed his eyes, but he looks to Luscious, and surprisingly, Luscious nods. What happened to the structure previously constructed on the southern promontory? Kleen will lean away. It collapsed into the sea. What is the intent behind the light shining from the southern promontory lighthouse? It's a lighthouse. What do you think a lighthouse does? Who is it signaling? I would assume towering ships. I don't know. It almost looks like that the interrogator wants to say more. But Luscious looks at you, smiles, an unsettling smile. Kalina will shift uncomfortably at it. And as he walks out, you hear his voice briefly echo in your mind. Thank you. That was quite entertaining. Kalina will sneer at him. They leave you in the room. The door's closing with a thud. Maya. How do you feel? You've been sitting here for quite a while. Probably like the walls are closing in a little bit, starting to feel that, that, um, that sense of helplessness, wondering, you know, is she ever going to be let out? Will she ever see her friends again? Has the warden for some reason decided to reincarcerate her? Wouldn't be the first time the warden made up something to punish her for whatever reason the warden has. She's getting probably more agitated the longer she waits. The door to your holding cell opens as three men enter. First are the two guards that have also gone to the others' rooms, followed by Captain Adrian, the interrogator. He introduces himself, and as he does, the door swings open behind him, and Luscious enters. Luscious leans against the wall, his eyes boring into you. You know the game that you're about to play. You've played it before. How much can you hide? The interrogator is uneasy. He seems agitated. Perhaps an interrogation most recently has not gone very well. But he seems to calm himself as he looks to you. Cass, can I ask one clarifying question? Yep. Am I sitting down? Am I standing up? Are there chairs? Is there a table? You are sitting down and there is a small table in front of you. What is your name? Maya Volta. For the first time, Luscious shakes his head. But before the interrogator can speak, he says, No. What is your real name? At that, Maya is going to very slowly stand up. And as she stands, it's a little bit like 
she's shedding some of the mannerisms that Maya has until I think her friends might not quite recognize her. I mean, like, you know, obviously they would recognize her, but it appears as if she is acting like a completely different person and she's going to look down her nose at Luscious and the interrogator standing very, very straight with her shoulders back. Aurelia Flavia Mariana, the flower of Amaranth, royal knight of the most noble order of Aurelius, lady of the eternal order of peace, duchess of Windrest, crown princess of Amaranth, rightful heir to the throne of Amaranth. There is this look of shock on the guards' faces. One of them even jerks their blade half out, saying, you're, you're supposed to be dead. But as that blade starts to slide out, their faces go wooden. You've seen this before. Luscious. He's done something to them. He's probably changing their memories, even as you have a brief few moments to speak. Tell me. Telren has murdered my family. There is almost no one left for me to ask after. But how fares my betrothed? Bright Prince Eander Veoskarul. Did Telren capture him? Took you over six years to find me. Perhaps he eludes you yet? Luscious will shoot you this glare. You can see that there are these thin strands of energy that almost like puppet master strings have attached themselves to these three. And he is weaving them slowly and carefully and he looks at you and he's like, Stay quiet. Do you ever wonder what your life would be like if you were not here on this island? As you say that, he slaps a hand out towards you, as if he's trying to silence you. But as you finish asking that question, as that connection is briefly forged between the two of you, you see a flash. And this look of sadness on Lush's face. Almost a flashing image of the entrance to a small farmstead. And in it, a woman and a little girl. The woman you've never seen before, but the little girl? You could swear you've seen her. But the connection is broken and fall back into your chair, stunned by this psychic backlash. As Luscious finishes up his spell, consciousness returns to the eyes to the guards, and the interrogator looks to Luscious, this sense of deja vu, of seeing something again after it, feeling like it's already happened, 
He looks confused. But Luscious simply nods. It appears that your secret will remain between you, Luscious, and the Warden. At least for another day. How old are you? Twenty-four. Where were you born? Astora, Amramp. The guards sneer at that. For what category of crime were you first convicted to Merstwall? Theft. What were you doing on the southern promontory? We, we saw some kind of animal that looked like it was dangerous, and we, we hunted it, tracked it there. While you're thinking about this, does the, an image of the animal come to your mind? Uh, yeah, I think probably, because I think where Maya's coming from with her answers is at least this part. There are a lot of witnesses. Luscious sees it. He doesn't look surprised. Looks like he's already seen this. And to be honest, probably has seen it in your companion's memories then. He nods. What happened to the structure previously constructed on the southern promontory? I don't know. I, I didn't see it. You see this look of confusion come over Lash's face? What are you thinking about? Because you really didn't see it happen. I know, I really didn't. But Maya would be trying not to think about seeing Ashen instead. I think she'd be trying, and this is going to be a problem because this is definitely an outright lie, but she'd be just imagining the forest kind of just near the manor as if she were looking away or just not, not quite nearby enough to have seen it fall into the ocean. Luckily for you, gods have an indelible sort of effect on magic. So... Luscious can't see that memory. Oh, good. He looks very confused, but he nods. He perhaps assumes, maybe, that you were unconscious at the time? Mm. What is the intent behind the light shining from the southern promontory lighthouse? Now Maya looks confused. It's a, a lighthouse? We have, we have one here by the prison, too. I think it warns ships. I'm not, I don't really like boats, so... But I think that's what it does. Luscious nods. Luscious gets up. He lean. He pushes himself off the wall that he was leaning upon. And as he walks out of the room, his voice echoes briefly in your mind. Your secret's safe. As long as the warden wills it. Maya looks a little worried at that. There's a lot of people on a lot of guards, clearly, as we've seen, and probably other people, too, who would be happy to take the life of Princess Aurelia. And the door closes with a heavy lock. Sylvie, you've been waiting the longest of all. How are you holding up? How are you feeling? Sylvie definitely started out really intense. There was a lot of pacing, some talking to herself, probably some nervous humming. And now she's like sort of sat on whatever furniture's in the cell and has sort of just accepted that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And then there's just like f brief flashes of deep fear for herself and her friends. And yeah, 
just see what happens, I guess. The sounds of boots on stone approaches, and the door to your holding cell opens as five figures enter. Four prison guardsmen in crisp uniforms, followed by the black and green-robed mind-leech, Lashes. Behind them, a sixth figure. The warden herself. Warden Aulis Gracilis is a stern-faced woman of human descent who appears to have aged well. Her skin is the olive tone of those native to southern Aventai, particularly the coastal regions of Talren. Sharp facial features. They notably include a large hooked nose with pronounced creases on both sides beneath two intense green eyes that glitter with calculated cunning. She has gray hair with small fringes of brown, likely the dominant color in her youth, worn in a high heart-shaped pompadour. A small, lighter gray streak shoots up through the middle. She wears a high-colored uniform coat in scarlet red that extends to her mid-thigh over black pants and knee-high leather boots. A black sash displays medals and pins across the front of her coat, over two rows of polished buttons of burnished gold, while golden tassels adorn and clasp to a commander's pauldron on her right shoulder. She takes a seat across from you, crossing her legs before she looks straight into your eyes. As her eyes lock with yours, you can see wrath in them. Tread carefully. What goes through Sylvie's mind as she is greeted by the warden? I think mostly shock. Sylvie's... I think that Sylvie just assumed, like, we were going to talk to some guards, and they were going to ask us some questions, and at worst, Lashes was going to show up. So it's sort of just, like, screeching, like... Dread and shock. What is your name? The warden asks. Sylvie Antaeus? How old are you, Sylvie? Thirty-one. Where were you born? Gospar? That's in southern Talren. It's on the border with Oscarul, isn't it? Yeah, yes. It's a small town there, yeah. For what category of crime were you first convicted? Here. Smuggling? And what were you smuggling, Sylvie? Um, flowers? She looks at you. But it wasn't the flowers that got you in trouble. It was what was with them, wasn't it? You know, being in the wrong place can be very bad. Why don't you tell me what you were doing on the southern promontory? We were hunting a creature it attacked our friend a creature what kind of creature a shark a shark creature oh my there was a structure there wasn't there what happened to it uh yeah it 
collapsed into the ocean? And how did it collapse? Ground gave out from underneath of it? And what caused that? I don't really know. There was a lot... This, the, uh, there was a lot going on? You see her gaze flick towards Luscious, and he nods. What was going on? Well, several of us had been hurt in the storm and chasing that creature, and so I was mostly focused on that, really. Really? We're mostly focused on that? Well, what can you tell me about the light shining from the Southern Promontory Lighthouse? Just that it started after the building collapsed? She reaches out across to you and brushes your hair back behind one of your ears. It may or may not send a chill down your spine as she does that. Is this a signal to the Bright Elves? I don't think so. I... When will they attack? I don't... I don't... I... Where will they attack? I don't... I don't even... I don't... I don't know. What are their numbers? Probably a few. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How long have you been their spy? I am not a spy. I know that your housemate, Amaya, has been sending letters back to the mainland. Is she sending them for you? Perhaps I should bring her back in for further questioning along this line as well. Will that persuade you? What? No, you don't. I... I... I didn't even know Maya was sending letters. I'm not a spy. I... She doesn't even look at Luscious. Luscious seems to be agreeing with you. He's recognizing that what you're saying is true. And that you aren't even having time to make some minor falsehoods. But she looks angry. She looks wrathful. This is a mood that you've seen her in before. A mood that she has punished prisoner and guard alike. It does not matter. I give you one more chance to tell me what I want to know. You will tell me everything about the Oscaruli offensive. Then you want me to lie to you? Because I don't know. As you calm yourself, as you probably lean back, you see this look of annoyance cross over her face. Perhaps a few days in the furnace will loosen your tongue. The warden's gaze flicks to the guards. Take her away. And they will drag you from the room. What is going through Sylvie's mind? Once she recognized that the warden wasn't going to acknowledge that she was telling the truth, she kind of shuts down. She just sort of accepts it, realizing there's not much she can do, and hoping that she's the only one of her friends that's going to end up there. And we will deal with the furnace later. You weren't given a chance to talk. 
any of you. You weren't given a chance to ask any questions of your own. After the interrogations, you are left in silence, save for Sylvie, who is dragged away. She is not dragged past any of yourselves, so unfortunately, you have no idea that she has been taken to the furnace. For Alice, Kalina, and Maya, guards simply enter your cells and drags you out. If any of you resist, a few choice strikes to painful organs will likely lead to compliance and any further struggles are met with the threat of the furnace. You land hard on the ground, picking up a few scrapes and bruises as sharp stones nick and embed themselves against you. For the first time, since you were separated, you get to glance around at your companions to see their familiar faces. Five went in. Only three have come out. Alice, Kalina, and Maya, you have been deposited outside the prison. What will you do? Will you ask the nearby guards about your companions? Will you attempt to wait for them? Will you head home? Alice is definitely going to ask the guard. Kalina would immediately be like, hey. Yeah, we're all. Kalina would be a bit more of a like, hey, 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 where the hell are the other two? One of them has gonna see the governor, got an appointment. The others stay in for further questioning. Be on your way. Is Timaeus here? Because we would like to speak with Timaeus about this. No, Timaeus is not here. Haven't seen him for quite a few days. Well, what about the warden? Your friend is in with the warden for an appointment. And when will we see our friends again? However long the appointment takes and however long the other's being held for questioning. Go on. Kalina will like cross her, cross her arms and be like, Are you really that stupid? At least answer the questions. I am answering the questions. Do you think you get to tell the warden how long things happen? If I could, I would. Just declared the guard. Maya's first thought was, oh, maybe for some reason Sylvie has gone with Marcus to the appointment. She wasn't worried about Marcus, because, you know, we all knew that he had to see the warden. But now that Sylvie's staying for further questioning, Maya's really concerned, but at the same, like, you can see there's a lot of conflict and agitation uh, within, but at the same time, Maya's experience here has been just kind of shut up and go with it because whatever is going to happen is going to happen and you as an individual have absolutely no control in changing the outcomes. And in fact, trying to change the outcomes generally just gets more people in trouble where the sentence is even worse. Are the three of you going to stay here? Or are you going to go back home? Or stop somewhere on the way? Let's head out. I mean, can't we just wait for them? I mean, if they're just getting questioned, they're going to be out. 
at some point. Assuming this card would be useful. Do you think someone could send us a message? Maya asks, looking at the guard. When, you know, when they're released? When they get home is when they'll be released. Let's storm the prison. Yeah, let's storm the prison. Let's let's head out. There's really nothing we can do here, and if they aren't returned safely to us, we'll be back. Do you need me at home? Maybe I'll just go work anyway. I... Not like I'm going to be relaxing. You're going to go work after all of this? I can't just sit at home and relax. I mean, maybe if Sylvie and Marcus were coming home with us, but now I just, I need a distraction. Very well. Go work. Well, why don't you go to the fighting pits? That's that's always what I like doing. Well, goodbye, guard, and... (laughs) I hope that you feel terrible about the decisions you made today in regards to us as your guest. Well, as you know, it's not his fault. He's just following the warden's orders. It is It is his fault, Maya. It's his fault. It's his fault for not being good enough for the actual army. Yeah. Tell him, Kalina. Maya winces at that. She doesn't want trouble. This rate, Kalina's going to get into a fight. This guard is super unfazed. (laughs) Like, keeps his cool, doesn't lose it at all. Just like... Not the first insult he's heard. To him? The front lines? The Oscar Rulli border? People die there in droves every day. Here? It's rather unlikely for anything bad really to happen to him. Considers it quite cushy. He can save up his money. Maybe even he'll buy a farm. Maybe he'll buy a pig too. When he gets back. So, the three of you, I guess, will then head off? Yes, but on the way out, are there any... Do I spy any bugs? Quite possibly. There are quite a few different native bugs. I would like to cast Speak with Animal. And I would like to approach a group of bugs. Hear me, creepy, crawly creatures of the earth. If you guys can get into that prison, please go watch over our friends. They look like, um, one's one's a half-elf and she's, uh, yeah, and the other is, uh, Marcus and... Yeah, he's got a beard, and please go watch over them, and, um, yeah, thank you, um, report back to me. I will give you decaying flesh and stuff. A couple of the bugs look up at you and chitter, and then one that looks maybe like it's been around the block a couple more times, sort of clicks its mandibles a little bit. (laughs) What, like... It, what is it like? A, like a like a cockroach with a with a cigar or something? <laughs> I sort of looks up at you and is like, "You all look the same. You all look the same. What do you smell? What do they smell like? What do they smell like?" Um, I will do my druid craft to best produce what they smell like individually and describe them. Okay, so we got a. Oh, this one 
Nice one. This one's sweet. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Marcus is very sweet. Uh-huh. Oh, and this one, this one. Sort of smells a bit like, um, uh, um... Spicy, spicy, spicy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And you see it go up to one of the walls. Thank you. And it just disappears. You don't even really see a crack. Maybe it just burrowed down a little bit, but it goes in. All right, everyone, I told the, that bug to watch over our friends. Don't worry, everything's going to be fine. It's really good thinking, Alice. Thank you. Now, can I get you to roll me a d20 to see how well this bug does in locating them? 13. We'll see in a couple hours if the bug gets back to you. Maybe tomorrow. Just don't squish the cockroach thing the next time you see it. (laughs) Why don't we shift back to the only person left in a cell? Marcus. Marcus, the door to your interrogation cell opens. Two guards stand there for a moment before one says, This way. The governor is waiting for your appointment. As you walk through the halls of the prison... You note these guards aren't the usual prison variety. They look like soldiers recently rotated from the war front. Do you make any kind of small talk with them? So, uh, you're new here, it seems. I don't recognize you. Yep. Just came in two weeks ago. How goes the war or the fight or whatever? It's been a month. Wow. Since I've left here. It's a bloody mess. The Bright Elves are agitated. Something has them upset. They've been striking across the border, raiding coastal settlements. They even launched a minor offensive across the Sea of Shattered Sky. They've tried to send uh, assassins over into the Protectorate of Amaranth. Got a couple of senators in Talren. Heard word that they even tried to strike at Lord Protector Basilis Quintus. Puppet on Amaranth's throne. <laughs> but they didn't get him. You don't say. You, uh, you know anybody? You know a lot of people in command, maybe? Yeah, know quite a few. The one that's mostly talking to you, he looks really familiar. The set of the cheeks, maybe the. or just the, his build. His eyes? He looks like an almost younger version of Cassius Lubo. Maybe even a brother. You know a man named uh, Cassius Lubo? My older brother. How's he doing? It's good. Recently got a promotion. You don't say. Did you serve with him? Yeah, I did. Well, some of the good ones end up here too. I'll take your word for it. What's going through your mind? What does this guy mean to Marcus? Most people don't know who Cassius Lubo is. At the name of Cassius, Marcus immediately tenses up. First, it's a... It's kind of like a shock. And then it's a jolt of adrenaline as familiar memories 
of things in the past and of things more present. And then just annoyance. You're brought out of the prison through two additional doors to a small walled compound built off of the prison. Before you rises the residence of Aulus Gracilis, governor of Merstwall and warden of Vesican prison. A small oasis behind the protective walls of this prison for so many. It is a modest banner that stands in front of you, painted in a pale green that, like the prison, was designed more for form and function than aesthetics. You are ushered through the front doors and brought to the outside of the governor's private study. She will see you in there, Cassius's younger brother says after speaking to one of the two guards posted outside the door. He unlocks your manacles. Go on in. She's expecting you. And remember, we'll be right out here. Don't try anything. Though, if you did... I'm sure she'd knit your intestines faster than we could get in there to put you out of your misery. Wouldn't think of it. Will you open the door? Will you take this chance to say anything else to Cassius's younger brother? The governor is waiting. What's your name? Patron. Patron. Your brother? Cassius? He's a good man. One of the best. What's yours? It's Marcus. I'll make sure I write home and tell him you say hi. I'll be here when you come out. Please do. Marcus will open the door. As you push the door open, you are presented with a view of Walltown's Bay. In the distance, the ruins of the promontory. And upon it rises the blazing sea guide. The Crystalm Sea unfolds before you, endlessly out those windows. Large doors on the far side of the room. They open out onto a terraced balcony. As the view briefly takes your breath away, you're reminded that this place is beautiful. As you draw your sight back into the room you've entered, you note that the walls are lined with bookcases, upon which there are a copious number of books and various objects. Some trophies likely of the Warden's military conquests, but others look to be of an older, archaic nature. Marcus Evander The warden's voice draws you towards a large desk at the far end of the room. She sits looking over various pieces of paperwork and gestures toward a chair that has been placed ten feet from the desk. Do you sit? Marcus sits. And that is where we'll end this session.
Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Did we lose Carlos? Sorry, I thought I was last. My bad. Really sorry. Anyway. You are last. Oh. Did Cory go? I didn't hear Cory. What the heck? Cory went first. I'm I'm so sorry. (laughs) But this is the bloopers. I'm a little tired. I apologize. (laughs) Anyway, let's get going. Did we lose Cory? Oh, no, I'm here. Sorry, I was writing my note down. My God. Oh, wow. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Whatever it takes. I will be 100% honest. I had no idea what was going on when I was talking to Old Man Longstep. I had zero. I... I was like, is there some sort of, like, power play? Is there some sort of, like, hidden lair? Am I not... Fi- like, I'm just gonna... Uh, uh, nope, it's moon. Moon people. And moonlings. <laughs>